Hallelujah. Would you lift him up this morning? Thank you, Jesus. We praise your name, God. Mighty King and Savior, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I found him to be everything that that song talks about. He's my healer and my provider. Amen. How many have found a, and serve a God like that this morning? Amen. He can be that for you before you leave this house this morning. I believe that. Amen. Thank you. Praise team. God bless you this morning. I do want to take a few moments uh, this morning and thank the young people that were here yesterday. They gathered here at 10 in the morning and, and they were cleaning and working around and serving their church and serving the Lord. And we want to say how much we appreciate that. Uh, we had a chance to have lunch together and fellowship together for a little bit. But I want to know that it's truly appreciated what they did for their church. Would you give your young people a hand this morning? Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to Matthew chapter 6. We'll read verses 19 and 20. Amen. Appreciative of everyone that is out to the house of God this morning. Verse 19, Matthew 6, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break in, break through, and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break in, nor through to steal. I want to speak to you on, from this title this morning, The Heist. Everybody say The Heist. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit, God. Lord, I pray that word, God, that was anointed as holy men of old begin to write, Jesus. I pray, God, it would become, Lord, that food, God, for our spiritual soul today. God, that it would become that nourishment, God, for our spiritual journey. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you would do in this house what you desire to do. God, I pray, Lord, that your voice would be heard. The voice of humanity would be in the background, God, and your voice would be clear and certain. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. you. can be seated this morning. It seemed to be a routine day in Toronto. The Air Canada flight had safely touched down at Pearson International Airport early evening Friday, or early evening Monday, April 17th. As per normal procedure, the aircraft was unloaded, carefully things taken care of, and Brinks transported the cargo to a holding facility for operating procedures. Everything was stored in its proper place. Everything was put away. The paperwork was completed. Just hours later, millions said to be from TD Bank was stolen through a planned and precise and practiced effort. The heist, they say, went off without a hitch. The public has not been told who the millions belonged to, but I can tell you this morning they did not belong to me. Initially, sources said that the amount of gold was stolen was 3,600 pounds, which would have mounted to over 140 Canadian dollars, 140 million, excuse me, Canadian dollars. Maybe the 140 was mine, but 140 million Canadian. According to one source, the fact that police are, are saying that the amount of stolen was just over 20 million means the thieves only took a portion of the shipment. Not the whole thing, though we still do not know the exact value of goods taken. Well, the Peel Regional Police Inspector, 
would not offer much information concerning this case. He did offer this. He said, I can say that the container had high-value shipment. It did contain gold, but was not exclusive to gold and contained other items of monetary value. With police tight-lipped about their investigation, there are still many unanswered questions. Whoever did this crime learned information from someone in the know or on the inside, the inspector said. Meanwhile, gold retailers and recyclers are now on the lookout for the millions in gold that the thieves have to try to unload and try to sell. If a $20 million hit comes through the front door, serious red flags are going to come up, Michael Gupton of KMG Gold Recycling said. Russell Oliver of Oliver's Jewelry, he said he wouldn't accept the gold and would call the authorities. He said that gold is an element and so it can be melted down easily, making it hard to determine the origin of any given piece. He said if they've changed its form, it's absolutely impossible to trace. By now they could have done anything with it. While many facts remain unknown, there's one thing that we do know for sure. A heist like this does not happen without it being purposeful and coordinated to make sure that the task is accomplished without detection. The high-stakes heist has drawn international attention with many asking, how could such a brazen robbery be possible in this tech day of 2023? This story of the Toronto heist, of course, is speaking of huge monetary value. But I want you to know today that I'm going to talk to you about something that has greater value than money, greater value than silver or gold. Mark chapter 8 and verse 36 says, For what shall a man profit if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? Can I tell you the soul this morning has value that is so much beyond anything that's silver or gold. It has infinite value to God. You are more precious than silver or gold. He wouldn't trade you for anything. Your soul is of eternal value and it is priceless. I want you to know, I want the warning to go forth that there is a heist that is actively in progress and the enemy is not planning on taking just one portion. The thief Satan will never be satisfied with just a little. The thief wants to steal from every area of your life. John 10 and 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There are two entities that are battling for your soul this morning. First of all, the enemy wants to destroy your soul. But I'm grateful that the strong man, I'm grateful that the one has all power and authority, Jesus, he wants to save your soul. Both have a deep interest in, uh, uh, for completely different reasons. One with intentions of good, that being Jesus. Somebody say, I'm grateful. But the other one has evil or bad intentions, and that is the enemy. We must live our life with a perpetual awareness of the intentions of the enemy of your soul. You see, stealing is just the beginning of what he desires to do in your life. To completely destroy your life is his end game this morning. Jesus, on the other hand, he wants you to be alive. He wants you to be overflowing. He wants you to have an awesome and an extravagant life. He made that clear when he said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. If you are a student of Scripture, no doubt you have read John 10, 10 hundreds of times before. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. According to these words of Jesus, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy everything that is good in your life. He wants to destroy your job. He wants to destroy and steal your joy. He wants to steal your happiness and your health, your finances, your marriage, and your children. The thief wants to ruin anything that he can get his hands on. This word thief here in John 10, it comes from the Greek word klepto, which means to steal. It gives us a picture of a thief who is so expert and adept at what he does that his exploits of thievery go almost undetectable. The thief is so planned and he is so purposeful that they can take anything that they want and it is a very long time before a person even discovers that anything is missing. Jesus uses this word to let us know that the devil is very cunning in the way that he steals from people. He doesn't do it just plain and outright. Instead, he steals from people in a very deceptive way that he often accomplishes the evil goal before you or I could even be aware of what has happened. This word klepto describes this thief's uncontrollable urge to take that which does not rightfully belong to him. This, of course, is where we get the English word kleptomaniac, which describes a person with persistent neurotic impulse to steal time and time again. Just as a kleptomaniac can't help but steal, the devil can't stop stealing because his impulse, his very nature is to steal. His impulse, his makeup says that he is a thief. This is precisely the nature and the behavior of the thief that Jesus tells us about here in Scripture. Not only does the thief come to steal, but Jesus said he also came to kill. At first glance, it appears that this means to kill or to take someone's life. But the Greek word theo, it, me, uh, thuo, it means to sacrifice. It originally referred to sacrificial giving of animals upon an altar. It could mean to sacrifice, to surrender, or give up something that is precious or dear to you. It was particularly used in religious connotation to denote the sacrifice of animals and had nothing to do with killing in terms of murder. But Jesus picks out this particular word and he uses it to describe the work of the thief here in John 10 and 10. He's telling us that the thief, if the thief hasn't already walked away with everything we hold precious and dear, he will then lie to you and try to convince you that you need to sacrifice or give up everything that he hasn't taken from you yet. The thief cannot bear the fact that you possess any kind of blessing. He can't bear the fact that you're living with any kind of joy in your spirit. If the thief is unsuccessful at stealing the good things from your life, he will try to cunningly convince you to give up everything you possess, everything that you love, simply because he doesn't think you should have it. you got to remember, he was the one that was tossed out of heaven. You see, he may try to create successful, uh, uh, stressful, excuse me, situations that cause you and I to conclude that there's really only one solution to our problem, and that is to give up on God and throw in the towel and kind of put everything there. He hasn't stolen it yet, so we're just going to give up because it's certainly on the way to being stolen. Then Jesus went on to say, the thief also comes to destroy. The word destroy is from the Greek word apolemi. It means to uh, it means to be ruined or wasted or trashed or completely devastated. 
By using this word, we discover that if the thief is unsuccessful in his attempts to steal from you or to convince you to sacrifice what you hold dear, he will then try to ruin and destroy what is left. I read this expanded translation this week, and I thought it was applicable to what we're talking about here today. So everybody keep in mind this isn't for doctrine, but this is for perception of what the thief is. The thief wants to get his hand into every good thing in your life. In fact, this pickpocket is looking for any opportunity to wiggle his way so deeply into your personal affairs that he can walk with every uh, walk off with everything you hold precious and dear. And that's not all. When he's finished stealing all your good possessions, he'll take his plan and rob you blind to the next level. He'll create conditions and situations so horrible that you see no way to solve the problem except to sack everything, sacrifice everything that remains from his previous attack. The goal of the thief is to totally waste and devastate your life. If nothing stops him, he'll leave you insolvent, flat, broke, and cleaned out of every area of your spiritual life. You'll end up feeling as if you're finished and out of business. Make no mistake, the enemy's ultimate aim is to obliterate you. Come on, we might as well look at it for what it is this morning. The enemy is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus didn't stop there, and I'm so grateful. He said, that's what he came for. But I want you to know that I am come, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Think of it, that they might have. This Greek tense, it means to continually possess. That means you're not just going to take it today, and it's going to be gone tomorrow. This life, this joy, this peace, this love, this is something that you're going to possess from the moment you get a hold of it until eternity if you choose to do so. The, the word life that Jesus uses here is the word, the walkers will appreciate this, Zoe. And it su suggests a life that's filled with vitality. We know about that. You see, this is not just abundance, but it's super abundance. What a comparison. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus comes to give life as we have never known it, as we have never experienced or even felt it before. Here is the second part of the expanded translation that I just read. Jesus said, but I am come that they might have, keep, constantly retain a vitality, a gusto, a vigor, a zest for living that springs up from deep down inside. I came that they might embrace this unrivaled, unequaled, matchless, incomparable, richly loaded and overflowing life of blessing to the ultimate that they never have. So let's go ahead and establish these two facts this morning. God is for you. Somebody woke up this morning and you need to be reminded that God is for you. No matter what has happened this past week, no matter what your family has been forced to walk through, no matter where your relationship status stands right now, I want you to know that God is for you. But just as important as it is for us to know that, I want you to know that Satan is against you. 
The heist is on. The enemy wants to take everything that God has blessed you with. The, the thief wants you to be defeated. The thief wants you to continue to struggle. The thief wants you to be sick. The thief wants you to be distressed. The thief wants you to have anxiety. The thief wants you to be down in the dumps. The thief wants you to be miserable. The thief wants you to feel like you're not going to move forward. The thief wants you to live in constant fear. The thief is planning a heist for your and my life, and we need to be aware. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, I'm reading from the Amplified. He says, to keep Satan from taking advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Another version says, I did this so Satan would not win anything, outwit, take advantage of us because we know very well we are not ignorant of Satan's plans, his schemes, and his evil intentions. We need to expose the intentions of the thief this morning. You see, this heist that we read about in Toronto, it didn't just happen. It has been being planned for months, perhaps years to get every detail just so, so they would know when to walk into the storage facility. They would know who's around. They would know how they have to be dressed. They would know which, has, uh, which one has to take care of, uh, of everything uh, in order that they do it. The plans were made. They were careful. And your thief, this one that we're talking about this morning, Satan, he also is making a plan for the heist. It's not something that he just does happenstance every day. But he's been planning for your demise and my demise for decades. He's been planning to steal from us for years. First of all, the thief decides who he's going to rob. The thief finds his mark, if you will. First Peter 5 and 8, it says, be on your guard and stay awake. Your enemy, the thief, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking him around to find someone to attack or someone to rob for our context this morning. You see, the thief actively seeks out his target. He actively seeks out his victim. How can you get yourself crossed off his list of those to rob? Ephesians 6 and verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Can I tell you, if you are weak and vulnerable, I'm, already, I'm sorry to say that the thief already has you on his list this morning. He has already chosen you. Also, the thief in his plan, he looks for that bit of doubt in somebody. He looks for that state of weakness. Matthew 14 and 31, immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, being Peter. And he said to him, Oh, thou of little faith, how, when did thou, wherefore did you doubt? Why did you doubt, Peter? I want you to know this morning, I've seen it to be true in my life. I, I've, I've walked with God through some horrible situations and through some trying times, but I can say you can trust God this morning. You can believe God this morning. You can live in a place where it's faith over fear. You don't have to cower in a corner, wonder what the outcome is going to be. You can trust God for good in your life. But you need to shore up those vulnerable areas of your life where your faith wanes. If you're honest with yourself this morning, if I'm honest with myself, there are areas of our life where we all have weaknesses. And we all could pinpoint exactly where they are. Well, the thief has been watching. He's been observing to 
tell where we have doubt and where there's weakness. The thief also is planning the heist at night. He likes to work in the dark. In fact, the thief does his best work in the darkness. Why? Because he hates the light. You want to scare him off? You live in the light and you shine as bright as you can. The scripture tells us the benefits of that. It says in 1 John 1 and 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8 says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now ye are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. You want to stay out of the target of the enemy? You walk as children of light. You walk in the light because you've been called out of darkness. The enemy and this thief, he's going to put into his plan a a plan of deception. He is one who works with deceit. He's one who works with deception. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 16, it says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart not be deceived. And you should turn around and serve other gods and worship them. The Amplified says, and the Lord, uh, talking of Eve in the garden, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, this serpent beguiled me. This word beguiled, it means cheated, it means outwitted, it means simply deceived. You see, deception is the thief's heist plan. It can be done, it can be over before we even know it. Next, he does not show up as himself, but he shows up in many disguises in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 and 14, it says, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, there's deceitful again, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Verse 14, and no marvel, this shouldn't surprise you, for Satan himself is transformed into the angel of light. There's going to be some people come in your life that they'll be there in disguise. The enemy will show up in disguise. He'll he'll show up like he looks like he's after good. But you need to make sure that you've been with God somewhere in a closet of prayer. You need to make sure that you have your attitude right. You need to make sure that you have your spirit right. Because only in those moments will you be able to discern what is real and what is fake. And we need to take the mask off the enemy this morning and reveal him for exactly what he is, a thief, a robber, and a liar. The enemy will be observing your deeds. He'll be watching your daily routine. When the thief is planning the heist, they watch what you do every moment. They record meticulously your every move. They record meticulously what the routine is. And they know who does what at what time in the clock and when they could go in and when they come out. And and you need to make sure the habits that you are, that are a part of your life are habits of the holy. Because every morning, if he finds yourself, if he finds you in in your room upstairs or in your closet of prayer, you know what? That puts fear in his spirit. Every day, if he finds you in the pages of the Word of God, discovering some new revelation from God, he's not going to be able to fool you like he is that one who's not talking to God, that one who's not in their Bible, that one who's not living a holy life. I want you to know he's watching you, and you need to scare him. John chapter three and verse twenty-one it says, "But he that doeth truth, come." to the light that his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. The Amplified says this, but whosoever practices truth 
and does what is right morally, ethically, spiritually, comes to the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are, accomplished in God, divinely prompted, done with God's help in dependence on him. If you want to scare the enemy to death, you let him see that you're hand in hand with Jesus. You let him see that the things you're doing are because of God. You need to let him see the things that you practice in your life are habits of the holy. He needs to know that God has your back. He needs to know that God's watching over you. He needs to know that you're not scared of him in the least. Also, the enemy, he's going to look and he's going he's to spy out where the, where the easiest door, the easiest point of entry is to your life. Ephesians 4 and 27, it says, neither give place to the devil. Another version says, don't even give the devil a chance. You know as well as I do that sometimes we mistakenly leave a door open in our life, unaware that the thief is watching and unaware that the thief is waiting for that moment when the door has been left open and he can get into your life and he can make the heist happen that he's been so carefully planning. We have a new security system here at the church. After getting robbed twice, it makes you think twice. At every point of entry, there was an alarm. You can't get in the building without disturbing TELUS somewhere. And pastor will get a text and whoever else will get a text. And we'll know immediately that somebody's here in the building. The the police will be dispatched to the building. You'll be arrested and handcuffed. Not really. But we made sure that we closed the entry point. You need to put up some security systems in your life to keep the enemy out. I can tell you for certain, if you let the thief reside on your porch, you'll be robbed blind just days later. You say, well, I don't think that's a big deal, Pastor. I'm just going to let them stay close in this area of my life. I've seen people that just let them live on the porch for a few days. And pretty soon the heist has happened before they even know it. They begin to wonder where they went wrong. They didn't close a door that needed to be closed. Distraction is in the enemy's plan for the heist. The psalmist said in 119 verse 15, he said, I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. You see, distraction, it can come from many forms that get our eyes off what is important, that take our eyes and our vision off what is valuable. Distraction is often used by the enemy so you don't notice what he's doing. You don't even realize for a moment the heist has already happened until your stuff is completely gone. You can read about it in the book of Judges. Judges expresses to us the sad story of Samson. Anointed and empowered of God. But he let the thief live on his porch get close to him, and pretty soon, before he even knew it, the heist had happened, and what was precious to him was gone. 
Judges 16, verse 20, I'm reading from, uh, I believe, the voice translation. It says, this time she called him, being Delilah. Wake up, Samson. The Philistines are attacking. His strength was gone, the scripture says. Samson woke up and thought he would shake himself free as times before. But he did not know the spirit of the eternal was gone. What a sad narrative. He could have defeated the enemy time after time after time. He could have kept what was precious to him under lock and key. He could have closed every door. He could have made sure his habits were holy. He could have made sure he was doing all the right things. But he left himself vulnerable and the heist happened. Distraction often comes as temptations and thoughts Philippians 4 and verse 8 tells us what we need to do about those things. It says, finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is just, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is commendable, if there be any virtue, if there be any excellence, if there be anything worthy of praise, think on these things. You see, the thief is watching And the thief is carefully planning the heist. So my advice as pastor is make it as difficult as you can for a heist to ever happen in your life. Musicians, you can help me this morning. You say, well, pastor, I've already lost some things. Perhaps the heist has went forward. But I want you to know this morning, the thief will not get away with it. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, The Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Colossians 2 and 15 says, God disarmed principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them. Mark chapter 3 and verse 27, it says, No man can enter a strong man's house and plunder or take or rob his goods unless he first binds a strong man. Let me tell you who the strong man in this story is. It is Jesus Christ himself. And there is not an enemy, there's not a thief or a robber that is powerful enough to destroy the strong man. So make sure you're connected to him. Revelation 20 and 10 says that one day the warfare will be over. The devil, the thief, he'll be thrown into the pit. He'll be tormented today and night forever after he's been bound. The thief may have managed to accomplish a heist in your life. The thief may have tried to take everything that is precious to you and managed to be off with a portion of the goods. I stand in the pulpit this morning as a man of God to make a declaration right now. We want our stuff back. Come on, I'm I'm talking to some people this morning, and you know you've lost some things over the years. You know months and years have gone by, and there's some things that have been plucked out of your life that were precious to you. I am standing on the authority of the Word of God this morning, letting you know that you can walk out of here with all your stuff regathered, with every precious thing as a part of your life again. You don't have to let it go from you. I wonder, I want to tell the thief, the robber, the plunder, the pilfer this morning that he stole from the wrong house. We're coming to his place and we're going to get our stuff back this morning. I wonder if you'd stand with me this morning. The thief has taken some precious things that he had no business taking.
Well, we're taking it all back. He can no longer have our family. He can no longer have our joy. He can no longer have our increase. He can't have our mind anymore. He can't possess our praise anymore. That sacrifice I worked so hard for, that's mine, and he can't have it. Come on, he can't have your blessing. Don't let him have your freedom. He's not going to have your health any longer. Somebody take back your children right now. Somebody take back your home right now. It belongs to you. It's been blessed and anointed by God and we're taking it back. I'm excited to tell you that all through Scripture, the victim, the one that was robbed, they always gain back more than what was taken. You can read about it in Leviticus. You can read about it in Numbers. You can read about God's law, but there's an example I'd like to bring to you today. The thief stole everything that was precious to Job. In fact, this careful, uh, this careful plan that, and this careful intention that he had made, in one day he accomplished it. He stole his household, stole his home, and stole his health. The heist took place in just... A few moments of time, a 24-hour period, the Bible tells us. Job was left with nothing, somebody hear me right now, but his God. But it turns out, his God was enough. Job chapter 42 and verse 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. And the Lord gave Job back twice as much as he had before. Can I tell you God's about to give you back double for your trouble. You said I'm never going to see it again. Well God's about to give double. I'm never going to be an intercessor again. God's about to give double. I'm never going to be a praiser again. God's about to give double. I'm never going to be well again. Well God about to give double. You thought you would never be blessed again. But our God, he's about to give double this morning. Come on, God is here for you this morning. He showed up right now at this moment to help you get your stuff back. You see, when you get your stuff back, you need to know where to put it. You need to keep it in God's house. Let's revisit our text for a moment. Matthew 6 and 19. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through to, stay, to steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. Where thieves do not break through nor steal. Another version says where thieves cannot break in and steal. You see, the enemy can't steal what has been placed in God's hands. So what you take back in this altar this morning, the family that you take back, the relationship and the marriage that you're taking back, the home that you're taking back, the fortunes that you're taking back, and the blessing that you're taking back, when you get those, you put them in the hands of God because it's safe there. Because make no mistake, he's robbed you once. And he's planning another heist. The activity is in progress right now. So you need to put it in the hands of God. If you've got stuff that's never been taken, but you say, Pastor, I, this is so precious to me, I never want it to be taken. I challenge you to put that in the hands of God because there's safety there. If you've got some stuff that you want back this morning, 
I wonder if you'd join me in the altar just for the next few moments and get serious with the enemy. Tell him you're taking your stuff back and tell God you're putting it back on him and giving it to him because there's safety there. Come on, there's nothing wrong with stepping out on the altar and saying, you know what, Pastor, I've lost a few things over the months and years. The enemy has managed to sneak into my life. The heist has gone forward and there's some things that are gone that were much precious to me and I want them back. They're going to begin to sing and I believe God's going to begin to bring some things back to people's life.